we really appreciate it. And ultimately, uh, I'm going to try and make sure I put out at least one episode a month. Uh, honestly, with uh, the self-isolation and uh, pandemic, it's been a little tough getting episodes out there, but uh, the episode that we've got recorded now was recorded as we were all starting to self-isolate. Um, so there might be a lot of things being uh, said that just are a little old at this point. Uh, but that said, to state it definitively, you cannot celebrate Pride if you do not support the protesters against police brutality. No discussion. Full stop. Black Lives Matter. Support street medics. Support journalists. And to say it again, Black Lives Matter. Is It Transphobic? We'll be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hi, everybody. This is Ashley Lauren Rogers, the creator, producer, and editor of the Is It Transphobic podcast. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today, I'm being joined by... Oh, me again? Yep. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lillian Edith Martin. Um, I co-host a podcast called Jukebox Zeros. Um, I do a bunch of other stuff, and this is the very first time I've been on this podcast, as far as you all know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh we tried to sit down and uh do we we had a really good discussion about the the goth scene and uh yeah. a lot of other things happening in it right now, but unfortunately um the the internet techno gods decided they didn't want that to exist. <laughs> that one's a lost episode. So we uh but we're we're sitting down to talk about another. If you, piece if you of could media. like just yeah. put like some thunderclaps in post and like a whole bunch of like cave level reverb behind my voice when I say lost episode, that that'd be great. Oh, absolutely. Just let me know any other technical needs you'll need, and I will make sure that that happens, though I can't guarantee that they'll all sound exactly as you imagine. Yes, because if, like, if you're like me, you have all of the budget. Yeah, I mean, for right now, it was more, like, honestly, and this has been a thing that I've been very open about with, uh, with my listeners, is, like, I have not put out an episode in a month and a half. Oh, uh, dang. Just yeah, we, we finally released one, uh, and it's a, it's a really good one to talk with my friend Morgan all about Insidious 1 and 2, but it's just I've been working on, it's for the best reason, I've been working on a lot of stuff, and so it's unfortunately things have to fall by the wayside, and uh, mm. the, the podcast is just one of those things that uh, we got to take a little break, a little unplanned break. Uh, right. But yeah, 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 so now I have all the time in the world, so... <laughs> Uh, so I can look for the good thunderclaps and the ominous <laughs> voices. Uh, but but I want to talk a little bit about Jukebox Zeros before we jump into the episode. We're going to be talking about Big Mouth. Um, but you just did uh, Who Let the Dogs Out? The uh... Yes, that was one of our loopier episodes we've ever done. Because, like, uh, if you're not familiar <laughs> with Jukebox Zeros, it's a podcast where me and my friend uh, Pat Barry, we're both, like, local musicians from New England, and we get together with friends and just review albums that are like have historically been considered the worst of all time and like a couple like a year back we did an episode on astro lounge by smash mouth which was actually well reviewed at the time but it's kind of infamous now because you know it's that it's the album that all-star is on so it's forever ah. tainted as the all-star album and that sort <laughs> of opened the door to be like what if we just did a whole bunch of other albums uh 
that are only infamous for like one song. And Who Let the Dogs Out was one of them. I think Patrick picked that one because it was his turn to pick that one. I think he only picked it because um, our friend Jim Schultz of the podcast Old Men Yell at Cloud was the guest, and he has historically been vocal about not liking music that doesn't have real drums in it. (laughs) But then when we listened to it, it was the most mediocre album like I think we've ever listened. One of the most mediocre and uninteresting and unimpressive sort of albums we've ever listened to. And Who Let the Dogs Out? It was basically (laughs) Who Let the Dogs Out and 10 original Disney Channel movie theme songs. Which, honestly, like, hey, if that's what you're into, mm. this is the album for you, but uh, that's not right. what I'm into. Yeah. It, uh, it just made it kind of hard to, like, really critique it, because it was just like, okay, this one is fine. <laughs> just yeah. like the last one, which was also <laughs> fine. Mm. Well, I think, I think your timing is amazing as well, because uh, I know the World Health Organization, also known as WHO, uh, stated, oh, dang. They stated that specifically dogs cannot get uh, COVID slash Corona. Hmm. Uh, and as a result, who let the dogs out? Hmm. So those dogs are just running wild and free. Yeah, they can. Good for them. Actually, I mean, if you've seen any of these stories of like, you know, cities aren't in operation, so animals are starting to, you know, habitate them again. That might be around, that might be sooner around the corner than we think. Yeah, I, I will say I just saw, I just this morning as I was waking up saw a thing debunking a lot of them, but at the same time, hey, the, the story yeah. is very cute, and, and there are more animals that are feeling a little bit more like, hey. I mean, I definitely believe, like, you know, there's like rabbits and squirrels and raccoons just sort of, you know, more free to run around suburbia and certain urban areas and stuff, but the dolphin in, like, the yeah. canals of Venice was pretty pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I There's question no that way I that, heard it. No way that could like, have been right. true. Yeah. <laughs> I Like, I saw that, and the first thing that I thought was, did those even go out to the ocean? <laughs> like, how would a dolphin even get mm-hmm. in there? Dolphins just said, all right, now's our chance. No, hmm. that didn't happen. But we're here to talk about Big Mouth. <sighs> we're here to talk about Big Mouth. Uh, so we're here to talk about some specific, one specific episode, and then there's a couple of things leading into it. It's season three, episode eight where they introduce a character named Allie, who is voiced by one of my favorite comedians of all time, Allie Wong. Um, and it gets really... Uh, but before we get into that, let me ask you, uh, Lillian, do you, do, had you watched Big Mouth? Were you a fan of Big Mouth? Is this a thing that you were just like, all right, I'm, I'm psyched for this season? I, I have. I, I really liked, like... I almost didn't watch it when it first came out just because the internet was so down on it. And, mm-hmm. like, just sort of treating it as, like, oh, this is just gross-out gross, gross out humor and stuff like that. But I mm-hmm. inevitably did watch it, and I really like it. It's, like, one of my favorite shows on Netflix. So every time a new season's come out, I've always made sure to binge it. And, yes, it does have a lot of gross-out humor, but it's, like, it's not like, you know, Ren and Stimpy, where it's just, like, oh, here's butts for its own sake or something like that. It's, like, in the service of something, you know? Yeah, like, in this, this and was like, a thing. Oh. Oh, oh, sorry. Continue. Yeah, and no, like, no, no, continue. Almost all of my favorite comedians ever are in Big Mouth. Like, I love Nick mm-hmm. Kroll. I like John. I didn't know that I liked John Mulaney until I saw this. <laughs> hmm. I, I especially love Jason Manzukis. I love Jason Manzukis. <laughs> and, like, the, there's like this weird movement on the internet to just be like, Big Mouth is one of the worst things of all time because 
and like tying it back to Ren and Stimpy, like mm. they're like lots of internet disciples of John K who believe like you know animation beats should be strictly you know by artists and storyboardists and with no sort of so I mean this this is turning into an animation podcast now, but like with mm. no sort of inkling of like script writing or stuff like that, and mm. like Big Mouth, and if you look at Big Mouth, like the artistic style is pretty ugly. Yeah. But I, but I, I feel like that's on purpose too. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think that there's there's like every medium there's a place for a lot of different things. Whether it's like the writing is so good that it makes up for the animation, which then they can hire great animators to make it better in the later right. seasons. I feel like Archer was mm-hmm. like that at the beginning. Like the animation was janky, but the writing was so good that held it up. And now the animation mm-hmm. is a lot better if you see the newer episodes. Yeah. Like wow, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I guess like with, with Big Mouth and me, I didn't like it when I first watched it, uh, at all. I, I was put off by it and it's not necessarily the gross out. It was like the gross out for the reason of gross out was sort of like my, like, eh, I'm good. And I gave it another shot and I'm happy I did because I really did enjoy that first season once I fin- sat down and finished it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for as much as I liked it, I will, you know, cop to, it's not an easy show to get into. Yeah. But I think I think that they do do a very uh, not realistic by any means, but like a realistic humor of like sophomoric, childish, but at the same time adding a lot of elements that are very sophisticated and very adult and very like you know what yeah we we don't talk about uh, cis women who go through puberty really in a comedic sense ever. Right. And so, like, getting a lot of these voices is actually, like, really good. And, like, the, the humor is very funny once you're able to sort of look past the fact that it's like, oh, they're just showing dicks all the time. And it's like, ah, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's funny you mention that. One of my favorite jokes in the series, like, um, I forget what the ultimate context of it, but it's like this very <laughs> meta joke where uh andrew just basically mentions like or, or or maybe it was like the hormone monster basically mentions like sort of animated adult animation and and andrew responds like but that's just but that's basically just animated child pornography isn't it and the hormone monster goes oh i hope not that would get people in a lot of trouble and he just looks at the camera like right <laughs> yeah i so with season three, and I'm watching season three, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm finally on board. I'm there. I love it. I love Connie. Connie is probably my favorite character. Oh, Connie in the whole is Connie is the fucking all star of the series. I fucking love Maya Rudolph as Connie. She is the best. <laughs> uh, so I'm like I was very excited to see Nick's character uh, ha- get a female hormone monster. The hormone the hormone monstrous. Yeah, the hormone monstrous is her title. Um, as his hormone monster at the end of season two. And like, oh, what's that going to mean for season three? I'm trepidatiously interested to see if they pull it in a trans route. I was very happy to see that they haven't. But at the same time, like, I think it was probably a better idea not to. I mean, um, yeah, that that certainly would have been interesting if they did, but I'm not really sure if, like, you know, they could have pulled it off considering what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about season three. Uh, I was, again, like very excited about it. And then for me, it hit a wall at about episode three. 
Uh, we're going to talk specifically about season three, episode eight, which is, again, the one where they introduce Ali Wong. Uh, I believe it's called uh, Rankings. But mm-hmm. season three, episode three, in- introduced a song called The Spectrum of Sexuality. And it is just a mess. It's essentially throughout the entire episode, Jason Manzukis's character is trying to figure out whether he's bi, whether he isn't, what is going on with his sexuality, and getting a final answer. And so he follows a Netflix show, which is bizarrely meant for him entirely, because that's how Netflix works now. Uh, <laughs> all about a magician who meets another magician who is bisexual, and so he's trying to figure himself out. And then... A song occurs near the end where he's hanging out with David Bowie, Freddie Mercury, um, Whitney Houston, and a bunch of other folks who, whether they were bi or not, were considered... uh, I think Prince might have been there, too. That's right, Prince. So it was a lot of people that were playing with sexuality, whether whether they actually identified as bi or not. Um, And the whole song is just a mess. I, I have a hard time analyzing this song. But the entire thing is like, oh, it's all simple. Don't worry. But then they just start throwing words that they don't really know the answers to that they maybe Googled. And again, like I and I I mentioned this in my notes, but like I follow a lot of this talk. I follow a lot of like how people uh, choose words to identify their sexuality, their gender, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just like, I what what the fuck are you talking about? That that's not right. What what are your thoughts on this song, The Spectrum of Sexuality? I mean, I'm not sure. I haven't actually seen that episode in a couple of weeks mm. or, like, months at this point, I guess. And, like, I didn't really have enough time to, you know, reacquaint myself with the song ahead of it. I think when I watched the episode the very first time, like, any sort of any sort of negativity over it kind of missed me. At the first go, I mean, I, I unfortunately didn't really like come into this with any like sort of immediate thoughts on it necessarily, but um, yeah, no, and I, I kind of threw that one at you uh, very last minute just for our listeners. Like, I, I, I honestly thought this song was in the Ali Wong episode, which is part of the reason I didn't say, "Hey, make sure you reacquaint yourself with this." And then, like, rewatching it this morning, I was like, "Oh crap, that's in a different episode. What freaking episode is that? And why wouldn't it be in this episode?" <laughs> I mean, um, if yeah. I had to give it any sort of, like, point in its favor, mm-hmm. I do get, like, based on what I remember of it, I do get a feeling that, like, it's sort of, you know, almost kind of a slap in the face to everyone and anyone who's just sort of dismissed the whole, you know, pronoun and label sort of thing. Like, why does everything have to have a label sort of thing like that? And it's mm-hmm. like, you're, you're too late. And it's basically saying you're too late because everything already does have a label. It, yeah. But that I feel like that that might be a little bit of a stretch to like give it a point in its favor, but you know that's that I just thought of that off the top of my head. So make of that what you will, I guess. Yeah, no, I I definitely hear that. Like I think because I think that you're right. I think that they went into it with good intentions. I don't think that they were going into it saying like we're we're gonna make fun of all these people that are like oh I'm di-, like what is uh let's see then you could be a then you could be bi or cisgen MSM like. I'm I'm literally just reading some of the lyrics. Um, like the the other one that sort of gets me is like the first two lyrics are the modern world's a sexual cornucopia, which would be fine if they're only talking about sexualities, but they're also bringing in a lot of like gender identity and a lot of other things in the song. That yes, a lot of these things 
are linked in that you need to know who you are with in a lot of ways, some ways, but at the same time, it's just sort of like, ah, you're not really navigating this very well and you're just throwing a bunch of things at your audience. So they're going to laugh at the fact that they're like, ha ha ha, this is all so complicated. Why are they making Mm -hmm. it so complicated? Um, And I I think that their, their intent, and again, I don't know their specific intent. They haven't spoken on their intent about it, but it feels like by the tone and by the fact that they are showcasing Freddie Mercury and they actually let him say, a lot of people thought that I was gay, but I was actually bi. Um, You can tell that a lot of those jokes, because they're making them, that the writers are actually coming from a place where they want to do good. Right. It just also feels like no one who is not cis and... like Basically, it, it felt like bi, poly... And or by Pan rather, not Polly specifically. They don't really go into Polly. In, oh no, they do. They reference it in the song again. Anyway, uh, but it feels like people that are by people that are Pan and trans and non-binary folk are not necessarily present in the writing process. Mm. But they, but they want to make the jokes, and that's sort of what I get from that song. Yeah, I mean. While you while you were talking about that, I pulled up like the spectrum of sexuality lyrics to see for myself. And while I do agree that you know a lot of it was with good intentions, there are some unfortunately worded lyrics, like the one that's just sort of immediately jumped out at me uh, when da- like David Bowie introduces himself as "I was a femme androgenoid from a distant outer space," to which uh, the character uh, Martin Short's character replies, "A polysexual gender nonconformist textbook case." That mm-hmm. seems a little kind of hand wavy. Yeah, and yes, there's a lot of like all sorts of things we talk, we could talk about with David Bowie. At the same time, it's just like right. yeah, a lot of this is very a- any of the people yeah. in this song really. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it just ugh. okay. So I bring that song up again because I really thought it was in this episode because I really thought that that was what everybody immediately clung to when it came to being angry at this season. Uh, And again, I totally agree with that anger that a lot of people have felt because in season three, episode eight, we're introduced to Allie, who Mm -hmm. is uh, voiced by Allie Wong. Again, one of my favorite comedians of all time. I still love her. Uh, And her thing is that she is pansexual. So I my first note is I just absolutely love Golf Lundgren. (laughs) Like has nothing to do with any of the the specific topics. It's just they're they're meeting. All of the boys are meeting at Golf Lundgren, and it's just a mini golf place that is <laughs> themed around Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren themed. <laughs> so yeah, good. I like I like that very much. <laughs> um, but then, like pretty quickly, we're we're brought into the classroom. We meet Ali Wong, uh, and Ali Wong's character immediately makes pansexual sound overly mm. sexual. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the first time I watched this episode, like with the song, I missed out on a lot of the problematic parts that made everyone on the internet angry. But having watched the episode again, it really kind of brought home to me, like from like her first appearance, really, how contrived of a character Ellie really is. Because mm. like on the one hand, hooray for seeing Allie Wong and things. I'm always on board with that. But Allie, the big mouth character, feels kind of superfluous because... Like, she appears in this one episode to have her teaching moment about pansexuality and also to sort of be a catalyst for Jay to have character development. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And then that's it. She doesn't really have any other character arc for like the rest of the season. Yeah, and and even then there's a really good there's a lot of good stuff with Ali the character that happens later like specifically it's tough because like there's a lot of good stuff in that like people immediately push sexuality on her and this idea like right at the end there's this whole thing about like oh um so you don't find me attractive and then she's like I mean yeah you're hot and then she immediately gets kissed by another character I can't remember the name of the character um, and she just says, I'm looking for, oh, uh, being pansexual doesn't mean I want to kiss everyone, you sociopath. Mm. Because that, that does feel very real, both from bi and pan folks, is this idea that like their existence is just over-sexualized. And you can be bi, you can be pan, and be a very sexual person, but it doesn't mean that you are sexually attracted to every single person that exists. I mean, I get that and I totally agree and, like, mm. you know, applaud them for making that point. Mm. But it feels like, you know, leading up to that point, like, le- leading up to that point specifically, they make Allie the character and reactions to the character just so damn horny. Yeah. Like, just so horny. So mm-hmm. it's just, like, a real sort of, like hairpin turn to all of a sudden be like whoa no don't obviously obviously not you know trying to say like that's wrong but it just feels like for the character it just feels like i said feels very contrived i mean that could also that could also sort of speak to the gay community's own problems against non-binary sexualities and gender identities as well because that does exist um one thing i noticed in the credits this is an episode with a consulting production credit for uh, Joel Kim Booster, who's a cis gay comedy writer. And if you've heard him on any podcast, his bona fides as an LGBTQ ally are pretty well established. And yet Al- mm. Ali is still kind of depicted as almost a parody of what could be described as a typical pansexual character. Like, I'm not trying to suggest that, you know, there was any malice or anything like that. But it's like we were both saying there were good intentions and they were kind of whiffed a little bit. Like... Yeah, I feel like the whole episode was like comedy writers took a surface level understanding from like BuzzFeed articles about bu- pansexuality and were just like, whoa, what are non-binary people like? Uh, give her cat's eye glasses, give her casual cursing and irreverent slang, give her tights, that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that Again, like there, there is that idea that they were coming at it from a good place, and there's a lot. Of, I think the problem is they made too many definitive statements, and when you, as a piece of media, when your piece of media makes a definitive statement, you you kind of have to be right because you're telling a whole group of people. Because we haven't seen pansexuality really depicted in another piece of media, in a lot of pieces of media that we can say like, oh, well, there's that like great pan. Uh, like there's that great pan character uh, because they don't exist really. So Allie could be the first pan character a lot of people see. Hmm. And as a result of that, like everything that is said there, that's a lot of responsibility. Um, that so is especially true. when she, so especially when she says bisexual is so binary, it, especially to a lot of bi friends that are, that are friends of mine, that's bullshit these days. It used to be, sure, when in, like, the 60s, 70s, 80s, I don't know, when bisexuality was really becoming huge uh, amongst people as, like, a term and as a a concept. But when it was starting to be pushed and people were like, no, like, 
you absolutely need to start looking at bisexuality as a real thing. It was looked at as men and women because it's like, all right, that's all that society was looking at was just men and women. And so as we've started to understand a lot more non-binary identities, bisexual has been looked more as genders like mine and genders not like mine as Mm -hmm. the bi. Right. But still kind of restrained to like the binary spectrum. Yeah, like it's still that idea that there's like two, there's mine and not mine. Um, But at the same time, and again, like there are bisexuals who are, I I will go out on a limb and say pieces of shit, who will say, yes, I'm only into binary individuals. Um, But that's generally speaking, not how bisexuality is viewed. Now, if they had two bi characters, or if they had two characters that are uh, able to communicate that and say like, well, hey, that that has been the the term but honestly people aren't using it that way anymore a statement like that could still be made but it's opening it up to a lot more people and getting them to understand that it's not just again like when you make a statement that is definitive in a piece like this it is definitive Mm -hmm. and so and i think that's that's the real problem that they ran into is they found a lot of things and they said this is definitive and it's just like nope you gotta you gotta have that room you gotta have that space right that that's how you end up with that incredibly clumsy tacos and burritos metaphor which is just kind of comes off as borderline fetishization yeah like i i have a whole bunch of stuff to say about the taco burrito metaphor but do you want to like please please tell please tell our listeners about the taco burrito um (sighs) i don't remember the i don't remember the exact sort of words like no. I like I like I'd be paraphrasing what Ali was actually saying but to describe to describe pansexuality she basically may like she basically makes to the class this uh, very clumsy metaphor that says uh, some people like tacos some people like burritos but I like tacos and burritos and whatever else is on the menu yeah, a lot of it, like the the specific, and again, like I don't have the exact quote on me, but the the it was like, some people like tacos, some people like burritos, and for me, I also like tacos who used to be burritos, um, and it's just like, ah, and then she ends it with, and the, the, anything the else. Mexican on food is genders. <laughs> <laughs> That's <God>. the subtext. <laughs> And it's so bullshit in a lot of ways because it, it uh, okay. Well, so, it's like really yeah. oversimplifying the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, it's borderline fetishization as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like, that's not helped by just how horny they make uh, Allie too. Yeah. And okay, so I've, I've had to consult on a lot of different manuscripts for uh, trying to make simple statements, simple arguments in favor of trans inclusion, in favor of trans things, and in favor of all sorts of... Basically, what I was aggressively just trying to to bring up is you can't make a simple metaphor. It's not simple, and that's mm. fine. And there are simple things like you should absolutely love people, you should absolutely love people. Like, it's... It's just, it's not simple. Mm-hmm. Other than being accepting and loving and being there for people. Right. That's the simple. It's, if if there was a simple way to describe these things, if there was a simple way to state everything about 
the existence of sexuality, the existence of gender, and the existence of uh, all of these things that are not connected but are part of a person, it would have been made by a trans non-binary person. It would have been made by a pansexual person. It would have been made by someone already. Right. So. And like these people are, de- these individuals are definitely out there, but they're not being given like, you know, any sort of opportunity to really, you know, express their side of things. Mm-hmm. Which you know falls into people just being like, oh, I think a cis people, I think a cis person should be allowed to play a trans or non-binary individual because you know they're the best person for the job. No, it's just no one's tried you know, mm-hmm. to find the best person for the job because they're out there. They're just not really... I mean, there are definitely trans actors and actresses getting a lot more, you know, a lot more work now, now that all this sort of... Now that this sort of... All these, like, fits have been made about that sort of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just write the whole thing off like, oh, well, I don't see them, so they're not there. Yeah, well, and and art in general is not a meritocracy. Like, you, you can't go by who's the best for the job. Uh, because honestly, who the best for the job is so subjective. It's literally, who are you casting? Who do I know? Who do I like? Who do I feel embodies this? And if you are not surrounded by trans folk, and just to, just to kind of like uh, talk about that argument as well, like it, it's it gets, oh man, I didn't realize this episode was going to infuriate me so much. No, but like, <laughs> it, it really is the question of if we're going to say like, and especially if someone is going to say like, Oh, you know, you got to go for who the best for the job is going with someone who has the experience is honestly always going to be the best for the job. Hmm. You might right. not always find that. And cause I've, I've been on panels and I've talked with folks and I've conferred that like, yeah, at some point I would love for there to be a world where cis people can play trans characters and do it honestly. But until trans folk until people that are experiencing marginalization are able to tell their own stories make money and get paid for it i honestly don't see that as a viable thing right now no maybe in Mm. 100 years maybe Maybe. probably not (laughs) not to not to jump around topics on this but i feel like it's a bit of a shame the whole pansexuality controversy kind of overshadowed the rest of the episode because it does cover mm. some LGBTQ-related topics that really don't get talked about in, for lack of a better term, normie entertainment. Like, it covers stuff like false allyship, the LGBTQ's mm-hmm. com- community's own issues with understanding bisexuality. I mean, in this episode, Jay's whole arc is seeing how well Allie's arrival is received because, again, she's there to be a catalyst. She even delivers mm-hmm. the big lesson to Jay by the end of the episode. And, like, she basically inspires him to come out as bisexual only to not be taken seriously and written off by everyone. But, like, I also feel like that whole arc right there can be read in two ways. Like, if it's a condemnation and satire of bisexual erasure, then great. There's not a lot of depictions of that in our media either. Mm-hmm. If it's just a joke on Jay, though, then that's that's uncool. Yeah. No, because, oh, man, this is a complicated episode. Like, it really is. <laughs> like, I, I also love, because there's that whole thing about him seeing, like, oh, well, this person's being praised for coming out as Pan, uh, so maybe I will be praised for coming out as Bi, but then he's treated differently by his guy friends because it's like oh it's just it's it's different and it's just like Mm. what why is it different 
And but that is absolutely like and again, I'm not bi or pan specifically, but at the same time, like having talked with a lot of folks, this is a this is absolutely an experience that a lot of them have shared and that uh, are very open about that, uh, particularly if you're assigned male at birth and you come out as uh, in some way bi or pan, then immediately it is looked at as a, a different thing. But that's not to say that the way Ali is treated or looked at is a positive Right. Like, she's still, again, over-sexualized, over, like, there's a lot of things that she is being considered just because she exists, which I do wish that the episode had done a better job with, but that's okay. Because <laughs> I think I that mean, they are trying to say that. Yeah, yeah. You, you can tell that they're trying. It's not mm-hmm. like, the it's not like, you know, whenever South Park attempts to tackle that sort of thing. Yeah, that's it, that's another like point in its favor. I can say they do it more smoothly than South Park has ever done it. Yeah, because <laughs> they're because they've clearly never been trying. Mm-hmm. That that's a whole other thing, I'm sure. Yeah, now we've got three episodes on it, and honestly, my my opinion just keeps changing every single time, and it just keeps going nosedive downward every single yeah, time. Yeah, I, I'd, I I'd have figured it. you'd have covered one of those many episode, one of those many train wrecks by this point. Yeah. Ah, fucking life. Anyway, um, kind of speaking of over-sexualizing people in general, there's this whole other subplot of Andrew, I believe it was, that sort of creates this Frankenhuman uh, out of all the, the quote-unquote best parts of all of his friends. And her name is Kruki. <laughs> and I kind of love it. Because, <laughs> like, she has a boob for a face, a butt for a vagina, and, like, a mouth in her stomach, and it's just like... Oh, God, this is horrifying. But absolutely, that's the way that, like, if you're just looking at people not as people, but as this, like, amalgam of parts that you want, then it's a horrifying thing for you, but also a horrifying idea. This idea of, like, uh, no, like, like, like the, like the whole human. Right. (laughs) I feel like that's kind of a recurring thing with Andrew throughout the series is that anytime he learns a lesson, he learns it to the most, he has to learn it to the most extreme nthist degree possible. Like he learns, you know, like there's literally an episode where he learns his final lesson by destroying Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was, uh, that was the subplot about him uh, banging his cousin, right? Yes. I mean, in retrospect, I'm what was the moral don't bang your cousins? Okay. Yeah. That's I mean, not, I guess that's a good moral. That's not like something I can take with me into this life with, you mm. know, keeping it in my breast pocket, but okay. <laughs> Thanks, cartoon. Glad glad to see that you have that as your That would yeah. be one weird ass fortune cookie to get, that's for sure. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Don't bang your cousin. Whoa. In bed. It still works, guys. <laughs> your lucky numbers are seriously don't bang your cousin. <laughs> and four. <laughs> I'm going to play number four today. Uh, so uh, another, But another point that you brought up and talking about this whole like buy and pan and I'm going to use them. I'm going to talk about them both as they come up, but sort of use them interchangeably because that's the way it's used in this in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, But talking about the whole like buy and pan culture, there's this moment where um, 
Jason Manzukis. I can never remember the character's name. Jay. Jason? Jay. Oh, Jay. Where Jay comes out to the You know, gate. the guy I've been saying this whole episode. Yeah, that guy you've been talking about. <laughs> that that guy. Uh, Jay talks to the only known out gay character in the school and comes out as bi. And his response is, usually when a guy comes out as bi, he's just making a rest stop on his way to gay town. But I actually really love Jay's response, which is, Gay town sounds fun, but I feel like be, but I feel like I belong in Miami. <laughs> I I will just say also this like speaking of that character, I forget his name, but mm. this school, <laughs> oh Matthew, that's what his name was. Matthew, that's right. This school has like zero supervision from the staff if Matthew can get away with sharing gossip as school announcements, which really seems like it's a thing that exactly no public schools do. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, and this is like, I think this is also why I quit the show mid first season and then came back to it is I had a hard time getting past the idea of like, okay, what are the rules? It's like, don't think about it. It's like, no, no, no. I got to think about it though. Cause like, what are the rules? So the rules are don't think about it. This guy is banging his pillow and he's going to have a pillow baby. There you go. Yeah. Like, Mystery science theater, that shit. Yeah. It's just like, oh yeah. Just, just don't think about it too hard. <laughs> um, but that also becomes tough when they tackle, and I think that this is another reason why I kind of hold it to high regard when I say, like, if you're going to make a definitive statement, it's got to be definitive, is because right. when you're tackling real shit, that's real. <laughs> right. So even if in your universe it's, this dude can bang a pillow, this dude can bang a turkey and not know what the turkey's gender is, and just, <laughs> like, even if that's the case when you're dealing with real stuff and you're saying we're talking about real stuff, people are going to take note of that in a way that they wouldn't in, I don't know, even for lack of a better term, 13 reasons why, like another Netflix show that is like <laughs> ridiculous, but based in reality. Hmm. Um, so, right. I mean, like people hmm. are perceptive enough to be like, Oh, coach Steve can't die. And then immediately come back to life to drink a carton of milk. And then mm -hmm. puke all over the place. But bisexuality does exist. Pansexuality yeah. is a thing. So, yeah. Like, I, uh, like that's the thing. There, there's some good stuff in this episode. Um, I also really love how Jesse starts getting really into, I think it's Nick's brother. Yeah, Nick's brother. And uh, the the uh, Connie says, like, okay, Jesse, quick, say more stuff. And so she just starts, like, saying <laughs> random things. <laughs> Because that just felt very real as someone who grew up as a human, uh, <laughs> like being awkward. Yes, that is very like, much a teenager thing for sure. Yep. I mean, I also feel like that's an adult Ashley thing when I'm around people that I'm told I need to be around. It's like, okay, like, hey, Ashley, you've got to impress that person. Uh, hey, how much can you bench? Because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> there's, there's a Jim Gaffigan bit about, like, the pointlessness of postcards where mm – -hmm. Like, he just sort of posits, what am I supposed to write on these things? Like, I usually just end up sending someone a thing that just says, this place has big buildings. I like food. Bye. Yeah. Because <laughs> <sighs> that's it's it's so real. And that's what I think. That's why I think I keep coming back to Big Mouth is that as much as there's a lot that I'm kind of like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, well, I definitely can't download this and watch this on the, on the train. Uh, at the same time... <laughs> I keep coming back because there's a lot of like very real feelings and there's a lot that can work. Uh, so people reacted to this. Um, 
And I want to talk a little bit about some of these reactions. I, I included a couple of uh, links in the, the document that I shared, but ultimately, like, we've seen them. They've been around. Um, and they, they are criticizing the exact thing that we talked about. One of the most high-profile ones that I actually really liked is uh, Mara Wilson. Um, she is an actor. She is amazing, and you should absolutely follow Mara Wilson. But her response was, this is wrong and irresponsible. I get that it's a comedy, but this is presented as truth within the show. Very disappointing. And to those who think bi's aren't attracted to or don't date transgender or non-binary people, I could introduce you to some people who think otherwise. Hmm. Mara's always been like very, very like, you know, on the front about, you know, being on top of these sort of issues so that she's she's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, But very quickly and it was very quick, very quickly. um, The producers of the show uh, apologized and realized and noted that they absolutely missed the mark and they have stated that they will strive to do better. I don't know what that means. There was nothing necessarily tangible, but uh, specifically... Well, I uh, mean, by that hmm. point, like, I mean, I'm not sure, like, anything tangible could really happen because by the time that episode came out, the entire rest of the season was also out. So pretty much all they could do was just say, we fucked up, we will strive to do better moving forward into the next season. Because they certainly couldn't, you know, they certainly couldn't, like, okay, we'll do better in the next episode sort of thing. Yeah, like, it's definitely not an immediate thing, but even saying, for me at least, it would have been like, hey, you know, we're going to talk about bringing on more trans and non-binary folk into the writing staff. We're going to talk about doing this and the other thing. It's it's small, but, like, the tangible things in story will take a lot of time because, again, like you say, especially with the Netflix model, it's, here's the entire season. Right. Fuck off for a few months. <laughs> but, but, but please don't actually fuck off. Please give us money. <laughs> <laughs> Please stay with us. Please don't cancel your your subscription. Um, but Andrew Goldberg, uh, one of the creators of Big Mouth, one of the co-creators, said uh, in tweets, we missed the mark here with this definition of bisexuality versus pansexuality, and my fellow creators and I sincerely apologize for making people feel misre- misrepresented. First off, honestly, good apology. Like, good immediate apology, like you're yeah. apologizing for the thing you're stating was, exactly what it is it was succinct it was well spoken it got to the point it didn't mm-hmm. like ha- and like it's sad that this has to be such a big sort of point in people's favor and when it should be the bare minimum but they didn't they didn't go i'm sorry you were offended exactly uh, but he continued tweeting with, anytime we try to define something as complex as human sexuality it's super challenging and this time we could have done better Thank you to the trans, pan, and bi communities for further opening our eyes to these important and complicated issues of of representation. We are listening, and we look forward to delving into all of this in future seasons. Like and again, I, I hope they do that. Yeah, like and again, solid, solid answer. Uh, and it is like a thing again. Like there's very little. I still feel like it's not necessarily tangible to see what the moving forward step is, but they're figuring it out. And that's at least something that I'm okay with. Uh, but it's it's a thing that we have to put a star next to so that people look at the footnote underneath and see, well, we'll see what they do for the next season then. Hmm. Because at least for me, it's like, that's great. That is really a good response. But that means that you have a lot of pressure to actually do the work for the next season. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, 
I mean, Ooh. at this point, the ball's just kind of in their court. Yeah. So I'm hoping, again, I'm hoping that they bring some transfolk into the writing staff. I'm hoping that they hire transfolk as voice actors, trans and non-binary folk. Mm-hmm. I hope that they literally address it and maybe even make a joke about it. Like, I'd mm. be fine with that as long as they're actually doing the work. I, and... I could see that because they've always been a very meta show on top of all the other stuff that they talk about. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, so I guess, like, that's that's all I really had to say about everything with here. Is there anything that we didn't talk about yet? Oh, there is one more thing, but, but is there anything that we didn't get to talk about that uh, you wanted to... Um, the only other note that I had was I will never not enjoy Coach Steve, Connie, and Caleb. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, same. Those are my three favorite characters in the entire show. <laughs> uh, so the only other thing I wanted to talk about was this uh, notion of, and we're, we're going back a little bit, but this notion of anything else on the menu, which is the specific wording that the Alley character said uh, when it comes to like whether she's into burritos or tacos, yeah, I get, said, again, right there, fetishization. Yep, and there's there's a lot in that because it's like okay, this I don't know what they mean by that, and it could be a. Do they think that non-binary people have some sort of third genitalia? I don't think they believe that, but that's one interpretation of that. It could that seems mean that a pretty extreme interpretation. I agree. Uh, it could mean I believe what they actually meant was that like they're open to sexual experiences outside of genitalia, but based on their definitions, the definitions that she has made, it's she's pretty much like locked it into. I'm talking about genitalia. Uh, which well, is... yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. not all pansexual people are into like you know non genitalia based sort of arousal and that sort of stuff. Just because mm-hmm. you know, no one, no, like lots of people aren't into that sort of thing. Yeah, like that. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they weren't trying to say like, oh, they're they're this. And excuse me for getting very graphic for a second. Oh. Uh, that's pansexual. That means she's okay with doorknob play, if that's a, <laughs> if that's a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not a thing, but it's probably a thing. I mean, oh, no, my mind is racing now. Nope, but I mean, hey, if that's your thing, no no king shame and do your thing. At the same time, be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the, now with doorknobs. Yeah, yeah, especially now with doorknobs. Um, but the other the other interpretation that I wonder, I don't think that they are implying, but at the same time, uh, I, I wonder if they were trying to be intersex inclusive, and if they are, they definitely didn't hit the mark. Hmm. Uh, but I it feel also, like mm-hmm. even if this isn't like the intent, there's sort of like in saying that whole sort of of oh, anything on the menu thing, it sort of plays into this stereotype of like, oh, they're pansexual. That means she fucks, sort of thing yeah. like that. And that's just not. That's absolutely not true. Yeah. And it's also tough because, like, and we haven't really talked about Ali Wong as a comedian and her, like, thing. And I love her thing. And her, again, like, her thing is, like, literally she, uh, when we saw her live, one of the first things she did was, like, raise her dress up and show us her underwear. Um, Oh, man. Oh, yeah. No. And it was just like, she was just like, now I've got that out of the way. And I love like, and I love her, and I love her style, and I love her wit, and I love what she does. Um, but it's also tough because they have made a very like, and it's like it's cool to be sexual. At the same time, they are tackling a thing, they are tackling a subject that is already 
pushing the idea of like people think that because this person exists they are highly sexual and highly sexual to everyone right. and anyone mm-hmm. and so it's it's tough but yeah I'm, I'm hoping that they move forward with i hope that ali plays a much larger role next season uh and that they can give her more than just i'm pansexual i have sex but not with everyone but with everyone but not with everyone but maybe with everyone but not with everyone not with you uh, maybe you. oh boy yeah <laughs> Cool. So, that said, uh, we're going to ask the two questions. I'm going to stumble into it. We're going to ask the two questions we ask every single podcast, Mm -hmm. which is, first off, uh, I'm going to go in a little bit different order. Was it enjoyable? Um, It was enjoyable. I mean, maybe a little less watching it the second time and really trying to, you know, find all these previously missed parts and problematic sort of bits but i still enjoyed the episode it's still it still brought jokes and stuff like that i would like just going at yeah. it from a completely surface level sort of understanding i also still found it incredibly enjoyable i'm not going to quit the series just yet especially because but honestly i did have a kind of cause for pause both at the song in episode three and then when it sort of like amped up into this episode i did have to kind of be like I don't know. I'm feeling like I'm going to have to figure things out. And then uh, hearing the apology, I'm open to season four and I'm not just, I'm not putting on the band hammer yet. I'm just like, okay, cool. Let's, let's see where this goes. Well, I mean, it's impossible for any TV show to not have like to go into it without at least one clunker of an episode, just going at it from that angle. And it's true. And if this is the the clunkiness and they're willing to do the work, uh, I'm willing to give them, I'm willing to to keep with it. Uh, So was it transphobic? I will say it wasn't transphobic. I will say it wasn't transphobic on purpose. Yeah. That's what I'll say. I mean, it kind of dipped its toes into some questionable and, you know, very sort of, you know, borderline territory. But... You know, I would just let it off with a warning, personally. Yeah, I, I feel like, and this is the thing, like, uh, when, when people hear, like, if it's a definitive yes, that it's immediately this, like, oh, it's a it's a stamp of dishonor, and they'll never be able to, like, you know, like, for shame, shame in the streets. Uh, and I, I feel like it's a thing that can grow, and this, like, a thing that can grow past. And I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of presentation as facts that are not factual. And as a result, this show can move forward if they do the work. Yeah. And I think, like, after the response to this, and at least if their response was truly sincere, like, I think they're aware that they have work that needs to be done if, yeah. they, if they go down this path again. Yeah. I think, I think as long as they in the next season define that gender, sex, and sexuality are not all the same thing. They're just different descriptors that help people to describe who they are. And not all of them are necessarily even uh, things that people use to describe who they are, but they are absolutely not linked and not the same uh, and move forward and actually show a lot more character to Allie. Yeah, sure, I'm with it. Hmm. 
I think a good start would be to give her an arc that doesn't have anything to do with her pansexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Because I feel like they because I feel like they've kind of made that just the central basis of her character in her introductory episode, and that's just going from like a character writing standpoint. That's not great. Agreed. Awesome. So, tell people how to find you if you want them to find you. Uh, you can find my podcast Jukebox Zeros on any uh, on any streaming platform: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Um, we're actually, this is going to date this episode, we're recording our next episode tomorrow because we have not yet been totally quarantined as of, as of this moment. Um, we're going to be doing an episode on Make Believe by Weezer. That's the one with Beverly Hills and we are all on drugs on it. And, um, I guess check out, uh, all the other podcasts on our little collective, the Zero Science Network. Uh, they're like, they're mostly music based, but we have like a couple of movie based podcasts as well. Uh, but yeah, ch- look, ch- check out the Zero Science Network. We got some really good sort of podcast, pop cultural podcasts, that sort of thing. And I'm rambling at this point. So yeah, do it, do it to it. Awesome. And you can find us at bit.ly slash is it transphobic. You can see us on Twitter at is it transphobic. Uh, we also have a Patreon. Thank you so much to anyone who donates to our Patreon. Uh, you are wonderful. You are helping me continue. Uh, and yeah, thank you all so much. Uh, enjoy uh, your time inside. <laughs> is it transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp. Pardon. Thank you, Senator. <laughs>